Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, that program's designed, well, for me, because you know there's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily soul-shaky, it might just been something that's been bugging me for a while, and I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse discussion, sometimes a casual front porch-style talk with the pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest pastor is Lance O'Donnell of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Akamanawak, Wisconsin, who is in studio with me today. Now, I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. So you can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org, or you can call in. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that number is 314-821-0850. Or anywhere in the lower 48, you can call in toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Lance, welcome to the program. It is a delight to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, this is this is really kind of a treat. You know, Lance, you've been one of the regulars on this program for a mm-hmm. long time now. And we never actually met until the Triennial down in Tampa. And then it was just cr- passing each other on the escalator. Right. I saw you coming up the escalator <laughs> one way or the other. Yes. And so now here you are in the studio. Why are you in St. Louis, by the by? I am in St. Louis for the Lutheran Education Association Convocation, which happens every three years. So I travel down here with our principal and our school faculty to to learn with them and spend some time with them. So it's a great treat. I have an amazing group. Anytime I can spend some time with them to bond is great for the mission of the uh, uh, great for the mission of our church. I think we should get into that a little bit, maybe a bit later in the program. Sure. We'll be talking about the mission. We'll be talking about education, you know, how we deal with the up-and-coming generation that hopefully will be there for us. Sometimes I wonder, are memberships declining? Although I think there's some hopeful signs. We'll see. I welcome. I welcome that conversation. The other thing I wanted to mention is uh, today is kind of a special day for me. October the 11th. That's my mother's birthday. If she were still alive, she would be 106 years old. You know, she uh, passed away, I guess it was 21 years ago. And you know, Lance, I miss her every single day. Mm -hmm. Every day. I feel the same way about my father, who Uh died December 9th, 1992. And there's not a day that goes by, not a day that goes by, that I don't think about him. Every day. It's a good thing to remember. Um, you know, I, I, I find myself sometimes just walking down the hall or sitting at home, and suddenly I'll flash on something that my mother said or did. Even today, I will sometimes start to pick up the phone to call. <laughs> well, one of, the, one of the great blessings for you, because uh, your mother lived until what age again? Uh, she was 86. So... You know that's a pretty that's a pretty good long life, all things considered. Um, I regularly, you know, my father died when I was twenty three and he was fifty, and I often have in my work as as in my pastoral work, I often have people lamenting, you know, because their their mom or dad or somebody is suffering and it's been a while, and you know, why won't God take them? And that's a legitimate question, but. Because I have relationships with these people, most often we kind of talk it through. I said, you know, I can say to them, well, I know this is hard, 
and it's terrible to watch your family members suffer. On the other hand, for me, it was a phone call, mm. you know, that I'll never forget. Lance, your dad's gone. What? Oh dear. You know, and so when I when I when I do my pastoral care with people, and as I you know saying to you right now, um, you you got to you got to say goodbye. You got you mm-hmm. got. Were you by her side? Or near? Were you in California when she? No, passed? I was. Uh, I was in California when she passed away. Yeah. It was, she was in. She, my parents had retired to Florida. Did Did you talk to them fairly regularly? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, more to her. My My dad had uh, last few years of his life had uh, Parkinson's, and oh sure, and he lost his power of speech. So uh, how, tell me about those conversations with your mom. So when you <laughs> called from California, yeah. did your mom have a typical line that she used, or how did it go? <laughs> Well, usually uh, we were both fans of the uh, cartoon strip Pogo. Sure. <laughs> so we usually talk about the latest Pogoism. Okay. <laughs> we go on from that. Uh, we would talk about, uh, well, for example, the weather. And, and, and you know, gee, you're fishing today. Darn it, we haven't done that in years. Blah blah blah. Yep. But uh, mother was. Uh, my brother described her best at her eulogy. It was she. He said that. Uh, she wasn't so much a uh, a woman as a force of nature. And what do they? What do you mean by that? Oh, I mean she she. When she walked in the room, she owned it. I mean, my my friends used to call her Der Feldwebel, which is a, a sergeant of the German army. Okay. <laughs> you know, as I mentioned, my my mother was bilingual. She spoke both sure. German and English, and we really knew she'd be angry if she started two things, two giveaways. One, if she said something in German, or if she said Christopher. Oh gosh, I was in trouble. <laughs> but uh, I, one of the one of the typical memories I can think of her. Uh, this happened uh, several years before she died. She she had heart problems, and she was in the uh, the Cape Canaveral Hospital, on, uh, which overlooked the uh, space center at Kennedy Space Center. I know it well. Ah, yeah. Okay. Well, my dad and my brother and I were visiting her. And it so happened that that day uh, was supposed to be a space shuttle launch. And we actually could look right out onto the pad. I mean, I rem- still remember seeing that bright orange fuel tank. And sure enough, they launched. And we're out there looking at the thing, looking at it going off. And Mother's going, you're looking out the wrong window. You're looking out the wrong window. Mother, we're looking at it right now. We can see it. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> So that's you know that's interesting just on a marital side because your dad was a radio man and a TV radio man, and TV journalist yeah and yet your mother was a force of nature yes yeah yeah that just that wouldn't have it, it would have struck me that you had a quiet little thing and your dad was Mister Extrovert no quite the opposite dad um, really until he retired uh dad really came out of himself and retired but uh during during his career he was uh very shy actually when he was off microphone interesting so on the mic he was or was he an actor as a kid uh no no uh he was he was uh, actually he was a farm kid okay uh raised up in uh, right near the coal mines of southern illinois okay funny story about that by the by sure uh i did my final year of college at SIU Edwardsville, and one of the local hangouts is a place called Vanzo's Mine Run University. Well, you know, during the during uh, Prohibition, that was a speakeasy, <laughs> and my dad went there. Right. 
That you know, it is. It just brings to mind. It's interesting how God brings disparate personalities together. Because I would I would have expected when you told me your dad was a radio TV man that he was just Mister Extrovert, but uh, but apparently not. And then your mo- your mom was the, your mom was the force of nature. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Uh, now, Dad did have a, a wicked sense of humor. Uh, since we are going into the Halloween season, I will relate a story to you. Uh, our house at the time this back I guess late 50s, early 60s, uh, we actually had an intercom out to the front door. And uh, Dad hung this horrible Polynesian war mask over it. I mean, it was horrible. And the the little trick-or-treaters would come up, ding-dong, and Dad would go run over to the intercom going, yes. He had this deep voice, (laughs) yes. Trick-or-treat. Trick-or-treat. Yeah, trick or treat. <laughs> if I give you candy, will you leave me the fat one? <laughs> and he did this, I think, for about two or three uh, of, the, of the visitors. Mother finally made him stop because she was sure the neighbors were going to come with pitchforks and torches. Sure. <laughs> that would have been good theater to watch your mother going after him on that. Oh, Spence, what are you doing? <laughs> so what? I'm curious. What do you miss? What do you miss? On her birthday, what do you miss most about your mom? Just her presence, the calming, steadying presence. I mean, she she was the rock. She was the rock of the house. I guess that, that's the best way to describe it. Dad was always—I um, won't say he was distant or aloof, but he he had a different role. Sure. Yeah, the old German, you know, Kuchen, Kerkun, Kitchen. And, uh, and, uh, Unkinter, pardon me. Um, and mother definitely ruled at home. There was no questions about it. That was her domain. Okay. And she wrote, I just wish she'd been a better cook. She was not a good cook. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And she said that she did that intentionally so that my brother and I would never tell to our wives, golly, mom did it better. Well, there you go. <laughs> so forget is your is your brother still living? Yes, he is. He just uh, he's he's eighty years old. Okay, and he's living out in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, right now. Okay. So, oh, another mother's story, <laughs> please. Uh, I have a nephew by the oddly enough by the name of Spencer, and uh, he a number of years ago he's involved in a very serious motorcycle accident, okay. almost lost his leg, and. Um, he was laid up in, uh, I guess my brother and was living in uh, Las Cruces, I think, at the time. And he was he was badly hurt and was needing a lot of help. Mother just got on the plane and went up. She didn't bother to call my brother. She just flew in and immediately took care of, of his care. And this is what year? Oh, boy, when was that? It would have been, it was in the 80s. And, and, and she was how old? Oh, she's well into her 70s. And just got on a plane and went. Yeah. Well, that says a lot. Yeah, it was. You know, <laughs> one of her family was hurt. She was going to take care of it. And that was all that, but, you know, she didn't even have to consult with my brother, the father of the kid, you know. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> Mother would take care of The Feldwebel was on the way. <laughs> and that, that was so typical of her when it involved family. Sure. Always there. Always. Now, do you have extended family around? Was you the same with them? Um, oh, the extended family really is my uh, my. I've got two nephews and their mm-hmm. families, uh, and she was 
she was actually with with both of them. Um, her sisters have had all passed on, so you know she was. When they get together, they'd lapse to the German and English thing, but uh, it didn't happen all that that often as as with the uh, later we got. Uh, one thing I do recall, uh, you know, my my younger nephew Skip, Spence and Skip, uh, he was in the army and had uh, just qualified airborne. Oh my! And uh, as I mentioned, my dad was in World War Two, and so he asked my father to come to the to come to the army base to pin his uh, his wings on. And dad was so proud of that, so honored. I'll bet. And, uh, you know, my, my, in fact, my nephew just posted a, uh, a picture of that on his Facebook page just recently. And it was, a, it was a touching thing. It really was. Both of them were so proud of that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I appreciate, so my mother lives in Florida. My, my in-laws, so my wife's parents, my father-in-law, I don't think, had ever lived more than 50 miles from where he was born. But when we, when I took the call to serve in southern Wisconsin, they'd been retired for a while. Uh, and they both, they picked up and moved across Lake Michigan, which for a lot of our listeners would seem like, you know, whoop-de-doo. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they lived in a beautiful little lake house in southern Michigan, but they sold the place and they moved five five minutes from us, and one of the one of the I'm thinking of your nephews and your and your mom. One of the absolute greatest gifts uh, of my kids' lives that they will look back on is they have intimate relationship, mm. a close fellowship with and knowledge of their grandparents, who are utterly devoted to them. You know, my mother-in-law spends hours in it. She is our number one substitute teacher. She was a special ed teacher and a fifth uh -huh. grade teacher. And she is, she is always there. Um, and you know, she would be the same, she would be the same way as your mom. If something <laughs> happened, you know, when my kids get up and move off, mm -hmm. um, if, if health enables her, she will be on a plane whenever they need help without hesitation and probably, uh, without even talking to her husband, like, yeah. like, yeah. like you know, Mike said, he was she just showed up one day, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and she was the staunch Lutheran, yeah, and uh, she's the one who kept me on the straight and narrow, sure. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm some of that I think is a Lutheran thing where we are so focused on family mm -hmm. and on congregation and on community mm -hmm. and on service. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one thing she did, I, I don't know how, how I could have forgot to mention this, uh, she started and ran the hospital auxiliary at uh, Barnes Hospital. Uh, and back in, I think it was 71, the city honored her as a woman of achievement. So how did you get started in that? Ah, uh, well, I was uh, in college and dad was at work and she said, okay, I'm going to do something. <laughs> so she started... Uh, Volunteering. Uh, Did she work outside the home, or was she primarily a homemaker? She was a homemaker. Okay. Uh, although in the early days, she worked with my dad on radio. Okay. She did did an advice column, Dean Davis. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, she was a homemaker for most of the uh, for most of that until my brother had left, and then I was in college, and so she decided she was going to take on this project. And that was the way she was. I mean, she took something on, just you know. 
okay, I'm going to own this. You know. <laughs> so did you? Um, is your brother in decent health that you can talk? Uh, yeah. In fact, we talk. Uh, we talk a couple of times a month. He is in a. Uh, he is in a care facility right now. Is he? Uh, he's, he has um, uh, some balance problems. Sure. And uh, he fell once too often. He had to call the EMTs once too yep. often. Uh, but yeah, we talk about once or twice a month over over uh, uh, what the heck's the word for it uh, on by the computer, Facebook or something. And, uh, not Facebook. There's a Macintosh program. Why oh, Face tra- FaceTime or FaceTime. There that's you it. FaceTime. I don't know why. I just threw that yeah. blank. Yeah, FaceTime. Well, I, I, it, this just had me thinking for for our listeners, Kip. What what you and I are doing right now. Just the your mother's the occasion of your mother's birthday. She would have been 106, even though she's been gone for 20 mm-hmm. years. Um, I know that it means a great. I can tell that it means a great deal to you to talk about your mom. Yeah. For our listeners out there, one of the one of the greatest gifts that you can give to family member of somebody is is just you know, when you think of them. And it, it's often at obscure times. Mm-hmm. Is just to call or send a note and let and let them know. It is it is because you know your mom's your mom has been dead for twenty years, but it's isn't it kind of like you lost a limb, you know, and you've gotten oh, yeah. you've gotten used to it over the years, but it's never the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, a friend of mine uh, recently lost his mother, and uh, I was talking to him, and I said, you know, the the pain will lessen, but it will never go away. Yeah. I, it, one, of the, one of the great gifts, in Christians, we should be particularly good at this, or, or learn to be over time. <laughs> it, one of the greatest gifts that we can give, you know, our, our calling, is, among other things, is to comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves mm-hmm. have received from God. One of the ways you can comfort somebody is when you think of them is to let a family member know mm-hmm. and that, you know, this is where the, some of the modern technologies have their advantages. Oh yeah. You know, where, you know, just a simple text message or a social media message. I mean, I, I happen to think a personal visit is always best in a phone call is a, a close second, um, and a handwritten note, probably a close third, because that's a dying art. Yeah. But even a even a text message, just to say, you know, I was just remembering when we did this or that or the mm-hmm. other thing, is a uh, is a real is a real gift. It is, and you know, one thing I think people need to be aware of as they go in their lives is you're making a memory. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the things that you will remember. Uh, as I say, I keep flashing back to things, even in my childhood. Like, good golly, what am I doing there? Um, that suddenly come up and just flash on me. Maybe it's a thing about getting older. You know, I start thinking about things. I may not remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but I know exactly what I was doing 43 years ago. So, so there's that. Oh, I'm, well, I'm going to do with you, Kip. Forgive me. I'm going to be pastor guy. Okay. We're, here we are on the porch. All right. It didn't occur to me until just now. When when a member of my congregation dies and I'm working with the family, I ask two questions. Okay. One of these is probably going to be easy. One of these, you're going to want to shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's do the easy one. All right. 
Um, what's the number one thing that you learned from your mom? Family. And by that, what do you mean by that? That there's nothing more important in life than family. And she showed she showed that by just getting on a, getting on a plane and going to help your nephew. So how, how in your how in your life did she show that for you? Oh, how would she show it to me? Just always there, always, always. No matter what I was going through, she was always there. Sometimes kicking me in the tush. <laughs> so you were away for a long time, though. Yes, I was. So I mean, decades, right? You were. Yeah, in well, California and yeah. Well, I left home. When was it? I left home. Uh, well, I left home. I guess it was in '73, and then I came back briefly in '77, and that then that was that was it. Then I was gone. I, I lived in, uh, you know, in this business, you're a white collar migrant worker. So I I, I lived in uh, where did I live? Let's see. I worked down in Cape Girardeau for a while. I worked in Alabama. I worked in Iowa. I've worked in Louisiana. I've worked in Cal and California was the big one. I was out there for more than thirty years. That's so. That's what I was thinking. So I'm I'm curious about your California years in particular. Oh. How was how was your mother there for you when you're gone for thirty years in California? Well, uh, the, my parents did like to travel okay. uh, in their retirement, and a couple times they drove on out to California. At the time, my brother was living in California. Oddly enough, in the same town I was in. Okay, long story about that one, uh, but uh, I remember particularly. In fact, they even got some pictures of that where we had this huge barbecue. And my folks were there. And uh, that was, yeah. So she taught you the importance of family by, yes. by literally, even even though you live thousands away, by sacrificing the time mm -hmm. and money to make sure that, that, that she came to see you. Yeah, it was. Okay. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, my mother had, had a, a history of heart problems. Mm -hmm. And she had a series of heart attacks. And uh, whenever... That happened. My brother and I were always going out to Florida to care for her and care for my father. Uh, we did that any number of times. I, I don't recall the number, but I mean, this was something that she taught us. Family is 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 what's important. And if someone in the family is in trouble, you help. You drop everything. You help. Um, well, I'll give you for instance, uh, uh, Lance. You know, I mentioned I'm a widower. Yep, I have remarried. Uh, but when my wife died. Uh, I was kind of at uh, messed up. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, and so what we did, uh, my brother was living uh, at the time. He had this, this uh, two and a half acres spread out in the middle of nowhere, literally about 30 miles outside of Albuquerque, way up in the mountains, about 7,000 feet. Okay. And, and it was just isolated, which is cool. I like that. Um, so what had happened was uh, he invited me to come out and stay with him. And one of my nephews actually came out to California and helped me move. And so we drove back to uh, we drove back to, Al to uh, Albuquerque. And uh, but that was a, that was the thing. I mean, I hear I was in trouble. Yep. And there was never any question they were going to be there for me. So your number one lesson is family and family cares for one another mm -hmm. whatever it takes absolutely all right now let me obnoxious question okay this may be it may be difficult pick a memory of your you and your mom mm -hmm. a memory be, you know that encapsulates your relationship 
if you had to pick one memory, and this is why this is a terrible question. Um, <laughs> but when I prepare for funerals, I'm often dealing with lots of different people. And so I ask this question. And when the replies I get usually paint a, you know, it makes a collage of sorts. So for you, I'm curious what, if you, if you had to pick a memory that encapsulates your relationship with your mom, what is it? Okay. I've even got them. I know exactly which one it was. Okay. Okay. This happened, uh, I guess it was in high school. And uh, <laughs> it was my mother's birthday, and I had the car. I was I was out on an errand, which I will explain a little bit later. And uh, I came back later than I was supposed to, and Mother okay. is waiting in the garage, furious at me. I mean, there's no such thing as late in her in her um, in her world. You're there on time, or or. And she just lit into me. I mean, she went in. I don't know how long she did. And when she finally went wound down, I reached into the car and I pulled this huge bouquet of flowers. I said, happy birthday, Mom. <laughs> and the reason I was late was that I had ordered this, this huge special deluxe floral arrangement from the, from the local forest. And they'd screwed up the order. And... So when I went there to pick it up, oh my gosh, we forgot about, we'll put it together for you right now. And that's why I was late. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mother. She just burst into tears. <laughs> that's great. That's a great memory. And so why, why is that number one for you? Because it had, part of it was her, her, sense of responsibility you know i had a responsibility to be there right and no if ands or buts and she as i said the failed double she had a temper yes <laughs> i hear you and then the instant forgiveness <laughs> interesting and she well she took a she took a not so quiet rebuke from her son Oh, all I said was, happy birthday, Mother. That's all I said. And you didn't need to say any more. No. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's right. And so, and she and she just broke into tears. Yeah. And yeah. and then what? Well, then I explained to her what had happened, that the, that the florist had, had screwed up the order, and I had to wait for them to redo it. <laughs> so... Well, and that also says something about your your mom that's that's worth remembering because you 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 I mean you use the word forgiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, my suspicion is some parents, especially of her generation, would not have swallowed their pride, would have just remained emotionless and said, "Oh, well, thank you" or something. <laughs> but you know, but your mom, yeah, in that you know in that moment expressed some remorse and thankfulness um it, it says something about her i th i think part of it was uh i think she she realized she'd she'd done something right in raising me and my brother so lance we got to take a little break here but we got a lot more to talk about sure okay well we'll be back in about two minutes that's a great man.
On this Friday, October 11th, 2019, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Ralph and Marilyn Lupke of St. Louis, Missouri, as they give thanks to the Lord for the blessing of marriage. Ralph and Marilyn made a contribution to KFUO Radio in thanksgiving to the Lord as they celebrate their 58th wedding anniversary, which was yesterday on October 10th. Thank you, Ralph and Marilyn Lupke, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance on KFUO, inviting you to tune in to the weekend edition of the program, the new time of 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings, Central Time. There'll be a different text and theme each week and plenty of encouragement and strength which only the Lord's Word can supply. So join me for a quarter hour of God's power and strength. That's Moments of Assurance weekend at 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings on KFUO. Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like a know it all this is the time of our rejoicing a song of sukkot as yom kippur is the most holy day in the jewish calendar certainly sukkot is the most joyous this year from sunset of october 13th through october 20 jewish families celebrating their history instituted centuries before in leviticus 23 42 you will dwell in booths for seven days, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The word Sukkot means booths, tent-like structures that the Israelites lived in during their 40-year desert wandering. Some Jewish families build sukkahs with their children, dwelling in them as the Hebrew text commanded their Israelite ancestors. Engaging with the Bible and its significant celebrations over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Guest pastor today, Lance O'Donnell. And uh, I guess we kind of got off track, but maybe stayed on track doing memories of uh, a special day. That wasn't off track at all. (laughs) That wasn't off track at all. So if you want to join the conversation, uh, you can email us at letstalk at kfuo.org, or you can call us if you're in the St. Louis area. That's 314-8210-850, including Metro East. And on the lower 48, if you're out of the area, you can call us toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Lance, you know, as I, as I said, you know, she was a staunch Lutheran, and as... As you and I have mentioned, I mean, my family goes way to heck back in terms of Lutheranism. How how do you see how I was raised and the reactions here as reflecting on being a Lutheran? Well, for for one, you're in the memory we just talked about. Forgiveness was central to that memory, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Uh, well. That is the absolute dead epicenter of of what being a Lutheran is. I mean, the, the whole the whole thing is about forgiveness. 
I mean, my little elevator speech for, for you know, what is a Lutheran mm-hmm. is um, a, a Lutheran is someone with an absolute unrelenting focus on forgiveness and the means by which Christ promises it, yeah. um, which gets at, which gets also into the sacramental side of being Lutheran and, and why we're in where we're a little different than some other Protestant than, than our Protestant brethren, because the. The sacraments for us actually aren't just they aren't just remembrances. No, they no. A, they actually convey the forgiveness the forgiveness of sins. So that you know that little answer that I came about through a a mistake I had and an opportunity to witness many <laughs> many years ago. But that that's my little elevator. A Lutheran is to be a Lutheran is to have an absolute unrelenting focus on forgiveness and and the means by which Christ promises it. Of course, that's you know that's kind of a nutshell. It's, there's mm-hmm. a lot more to it than that. But your your answer speaks speaks to that. You were you were you were raised to learn to confess your sins, to acknowledge. You know they you you I could tell you didn't get away with stuff. No, <laughs> right? Impossible. You didn't get away with stuff, which is <laughs> that's that's the law, right? I mean you your your parent your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, taught you the law but they didn't leave you in the law yeah that's the gospel they, they you know they also they also <laughs> taught you forgiveness and that's the you know we don't we don't appreciate forgiveness i mean and this is this is a huge thing mm-hmm. and i think a huge thing in terms of our mission in american culture right now because there there is there is no sen- you know we are we don't have a sense of sin in is in a way that we did in generations past oh that is so true and so it makes I think it makes the mission immensely more challenging when when people if there is if there's no truth, then and everything is in and everything is relative. And if you're if you, you are basically your own God and you're personally autonomous, then then there really isn't any sin. And and if that's the case, then there's no need. Then there's no need for Jesus Christ. And you know, and that's of course the re- that's not the way you were raised. You no. were raised to understand you're a not only a flawed human being, but a sinful human being oh, yeah. that that needs the the forgiveness of God. And and your parents taught you how to receive that, both in your home and and in your church. Did I don't forgive me? Did you, were you a parochial school kid? Yes. So where did you go to parochial school? Concordia. In say in Kirkwood, in Concordia, Kirkwood. Yeah, okay, just, yeah, for for a great school, I, I went to uh, the public school for junior high and senior high. Okay, so I mean, so that was you know, law and gospel has been part of your life since ever you can remember. Yeah, well, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you really touched on another issue. Um, is people now are denying the existence of sin. Mm-hmm. And that is a frightening, frightening development, I think. Uh, you know, our whole society, from the beginning up to the present, has always been premised on right and wrong. You know, you don't do these things. And like the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, mm-hmm. thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. And now people are saying, yeah, but except for. It's, it, it's, it's incredibly, we are... We are incredibly arrogant people. 
Mm-hmm. We are in. We are, and this is this is by nature. We are incredibly arrogant people. People. This gets at another. I think that I brilliance of Lutheranism, and this is part of part of what you know. Because you, you and I have talked before. When I was in my undergraduate years, I took my cross off my neck and I said, "I don't want anything to do with this Christ garbage." And then after my father died and he had kind of recommitted, uh, the Lord had brought him back. Before I, I started a journey back towards the faith. One of the at the very heart of the reason that I ended up a Lutheran again is while I couldn't articulate it at the time is I, I knew that God had forgiven me, Mm -hmm. but I also knew what was going on in my head. Um, I knew also what I was struggling with. I knew I was also a sinner at, you know, as we Lutherans say, at the same time, yeah. simultaneously saint and sinner. Luther's phrase, simul justus et peccator. Um, but other church denominations don't teach that. They tend to focus on the saint side of things mm-hmm. for the Christian. And I think absolutely one of the brilliances of Lutheran theology is, is the upholding of the scriptural truth, that we are simultaneously both. And I think that it's incredibly comforting because... Then you then you appreciate the difficulty of the battle that you're in every day as as a Christian that um, that that old as as Luther explains in the in in the explanations in the in the Lord's Prayer that that old sinful nature in you doesn't want to believe doesn't want to hallow God's name or let His kingdom come um, that old sinful nature is a a real creep. <laughs> I, I was thinking of another word that I'm not going to use on the radio. <laughs> okay. right. Please don't. Yeah. Get me in big trouble. Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. But that's another thing that you obviously were raised as to understand that you will, you were simultaneously both. It was. Um, and and I, I am acutely aware of my own sins and my own weaknesses and shortcomings. Uh, I, I've was talking to um, one of my friends here at the IC not too long ago, and he said, I, I expressed a sentiment that is not actually Lutheranism. I, I said, you know, one of the fears that I have is that when I finally am, am in front of the throne of God, I'm going to have to answer some very hard questions about my life. And my friend said, no, all you got to do is to point to Jesus and say, hey, I'm with him. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, we on the you know, we do... In the, the scriptures, the scriptures are clear. You can read the various passages in Revelation. We do have to give answer, but we get Christ gives the answer for us. <laughs> you know, he he takes the place for us. We well, that's it. he 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 is he he stands he stands in our place. He is our God and Lord. Um, he is our he is our substitute, and we we enter heaven on no other basis than him and his work alone it's uh that is uh, what a gift to i mean to grow up in a household like that yeah <laughs> it was believe me and it was a uh, this is something about about lutheranism that i really really like and respect is we adhere to scripture mm-hmm. and so many of the other faiths catholic baptist they don't they 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 stray well, we, yeah, we place a little bit. Uh, some of our some of our cousins place uh, weight mm-hmm. 
uh, and sometimes considerable weight on on tradition or reason or you know other other such things lutherans are are rather steadfast or should be yes in 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 standing on on scripture alone as as the source of of who we are well i've been to other churches including a couple of lutheran ones where uh the message uh, is to make you feel good and make you mm-hmm. make you happy uh that ain't it no you know the thing is you know <laughs> i i go to church to be forgiven right. because i know how bad i am i know how low i am <laughs> forgive me can i can i make a quote Please from do. the from the babylon b okay <laughs> i like it already um he had so for our listeners out there, if you don't know the Babylon Bee, the Babylon Bee is a, is a satire site. Yeah. And he's not a Lutheran, but he's a conservative Protestant of some kind, the guy that... And uh, he had a thing on the Babylon Bee not too long ago about Joel Osteen. Uh, Joel Osteen opens cafe that only serves lukewarm coffee. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Which I'm dying. I think that's, you know, it's fabulous. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> you know, we Lutherans do have a reputation of being rather dour, but I think it's because of our services. But you know, off mic, you know, or away from the away from the church. Yeah, you know, we. Well, I'll give you for instance. Sure. Okay, uh, we used to have <clears throat> we used to have a Weight Watchers group here, and uh, as you may know, I'm a bit on the portly side, and I had uh, I was a member of that. And I walked into the uh, the room, and our our instructor or leader of the Weight Watchers thing, she had this music on and was dancing. And uh, as an exercise thing, and uh, one of the people said, oh, dancing in the, dancing in the icy. And she goes, oh, oh my gosh, I'm dancing in a, in a religious outfit. And I remember saying to her, we're Lutherans, we're not Baptists. We drink, we dance, we laugh, we sing. You can, right? <laughs> There's. It, I was thinking of this last night at the... Lutheran Education Convocation because we had a little social gathering in the ex- in, so in the exhibit hall mm-hmm. at, while the banquet area in the conf- next door was being prepared for our dinner and we were all given a, a drink ticket and so you know here we are meandering among the booths in the exhibit center and most of us had a beer a glass of wine or something in our hands and wandering around and I said to my the the teachers who I was with isn't this great to be a Lutheran? <laughs> you know, we can we can have a we can have a drink. It is it is one of the one of the joys. I mean, I think sometimes we, you know, we can we can overdo it. Oh yeah. Uh, but we understand that uh, as forgiven people, that the that the creation itself is redeemed, and and that God intends for us. To enjoy it, oh yeah, and, and to enjoy one another, and you know, do can that sometimes go to excess? But we, joy is our baptismal birthright. We're supposed <laughs> to supposed to enjoy one another. It's one of the things I love about being here and being here with my school staff, um, because we do we work well together, and sometimes that work is really intense, and you know, we're dealing with families and kids with have have issues and we're trying to help them and it is uh, an absolute joy just to be able to be with one another 
and and go out and have a beer and enjoy and, mm-hmm. and enjoy and sell and 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 have absolutely no guilt about that whatsoever. Well, remember, Jesus turned water into wine, not wine into water. Right. That should tell you something right there. Well, it does. It says it says an immense amount, doesn't it? And <laughs> it yet, does. and yet we treat. And I think for my for my staff, the the school faculty that I'm with is the, participating in, in events like this helps them to know me as a human being. Oh yeah, and. It deepens the relationship. They, you know, they need. It, it helps them to know that I'm a that I'm a human. That I that I laugh, and that I. Well, they all they all know that I can sometimes be an idiot. I mean, nobody, you know, <laughs> right? You know, the pastor's mistakes and sins are, are often are often very are often very obvious. But sometimes it's not as obvious what his joys are. And by going to an event like this, uh, the LEA convocation with my staff enables Mm -hmm. them also. And and it has enabled me to brag, like I am right now, Mm -hmm. um, to brag brag about them and to show them how much I enjoy them. Oh, you and I are both at the Triennial Convention down in Tampa. And... uh... I got to tell you, it was exhausting. We drove down, my group from KFU, we drove down and drove back, and it was exhausting. But I don't know, the last time I laughed so hard with some of the people there. I mean, we just just literally rolling on the floor over some some aspect of humor. Yeah, we we had a we ha- and I can't talk about exactly what happened last night because we went someplace and we ended up someplace we and we we didn't anticipate we were going to be, <laughs> <laughs> you know, by a simple Google search. But uh, uh, the principal was telling me today. She said, uh, Lance, that's going to be another one of those items that we're going to roast you about when you retire. <laughs> 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 She's keeping a list now. Yeah. Well, we had a, a saying when we were when we were driving down was, uh, "What's said in the What's said in the car stays in the car." There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. There but, you go. But oh, we laughed so hard. I'll never forget that. You know, I'm not sure I want to do it again. <laughs> it's so bloody exhausting. I mean, really, I just. I, well, that's a, how long is the ride from St. Louis to two Tampa? days. It was yeah, two it full was two days. days. Yeah, two full days. Yeah, and not only there, but on the way back. Yeah. And after and after a busy week at convention and carting all the material, you had to. Yeah. Yeah. It took a it took a few days to sort of get back into the groove. I would imagine. I would imagine. <sighs> Those the, I, I, that's it's it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I know that in 2010 in the Missouri Synod under the previous administration, we had a major proposal that one of them was to put us under a four year cycle. And potentially even longer for synodical conventions. And my opinion is that while that has may have some economic merit, there is significant merit and worth the expense to get together. Oh yeah, and, and on a on a regular enough basis that you can remember the last time well. This is one of the things we're seeing in some of the other denominations is that they they lose track of their own doctrine mm-hmm. and they start splitting off one congregation will do something one the other one will do another uh we don't do that well uh, let me rephrase that it happens but well and something about the meeting together is is helpful you know mm-hmm. and 
I'm a I'm a huge proponent of having these conventions and and it, you know if I were in charge I would want to do them a little differently. I would want to make sure that we that we were talking with each other the whole delegation because there it change it changes if you're going to disagree about something. Mm-hmm. The the tone and that the way that conversation takes place changes if you know the other person. Oh yeah, and that these conventions I think are really important in that it gives us and we could be I think we could be much better at it if we arranged ourselves in such a way that we actually had to converse at our tables or we had time that we we actually had to discuss mm-hmm. a little bit. With people, not just our our natural affinity groups, wherever you are in the spectrum yeah. of the synod. There's, and but a lot of that happens at conventions serendipitously. It just you know people get together and they talk, and we discover, you know, actually we're closer than we thought maybe we were on this. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's the other way. Oh yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, I thought we were closer, but I guess maybe we're not. But meeting personally. There is no, there's no substitute for it. It's like you know, your your mom. Oh yeah, <laughs> your she could have just said, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm seventy, I'm seventy five, and I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. But getting on that plane and showing up to be there for your nephew, mm-hmm. it, that personal, it said everything. And the, you know, they're by, you know, by analogy. That getting you know the convention thing and getting together and talking is is hugely important. The LEA convent convocation that I'm at right now, and they do it every three years. You know, I have a couple issues I'd want to talk with the leadership about how we're doing some things there. Mm-hmm. But the very fact that we're getting teachers and some pastors and administrators together from all over the country and talking and actually physically talking and working through some stuff is is hugely helpful. And you came in and do that on a micro level. Uh, in fact, earlier this week, uh, uh, our program director here, Andy Bates, and I had a disagreement over over a particular item, which I won't go into. Sure. Uh, but we actually s- s- talked to each other. You know, this is why mm-hmm. I felt this way. This is why he felt this way. And we were able to resolve the problem. It, it was it, it, it was a Really, a- this this gets at something generational differences in in terms of the mission of the church. In mm-hmm. one of the ways in which I think a Lutheran school can be really helpful, the generation be the two generations behind me, so the millennials and the I Geners or Gen Z, whatever you're going to call them, mm-hmm. the I Geners in particular, those ki- those folks born since '95, are so tied to their phones that the preferred mode of communication mm. is is through is through text whether that's social media text or just cell phone text whatever you whatever you call it that we we I'm finding even in our Lutheran school we have to teach the kids how to look at somebody when they talk to them wow and that is it's exceedingly important because so much gets lost in text, you have to you have to be able to talk, and we're trying to be very deliberate at at our school at St. Paul's in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, about getting the kids to talk with one another and to look at the adults when they walk by. You know, um, uh, 
my bachelor's degree is in communications. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned is that communications is way beyond just the spoken word. Sure. It, there's body language, there's inflection, uh, there's feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have feedback. And that's what's missing in the in the social media is that you don't see the body language you don't see the immediate impact of your words words are like bullets you don't want to say them you can't recall them it's it's in the same issue with same issue with email i got an email as i was taking the uber from from the hotel downtown up here today <laughs> that yeah i there's there's a massive assumption in it and I was I'm in the I was in the process of making a massive assumption in reply, and I just I, I shut it down, and we're just going to have to have a conversation when I get back to town. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 50 years old. I've developed I hope some degree of emotional maturity. Uh, an 11 year old or a 12 year old or a 13 year old doesn't yet have that, Mm-mm. and 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 yet so there's all this. They have these tools that allow them to to spew to to hundreds of people at the thousands, millions at the same time, but without the emotional intelligence to be able to interpret it. And that's one of our one of our roles is to help the kids be good digital citizens. And also, we've got the problem. Bearing in mind, my childless, so I probably don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Uh, but we have the problem now of the, say, the participation award. The idea that the kids, well, yeah, yeah, you've got a valid opinion. I'm going to listen to No, they don't necessarily have a valid opinion. And I know that was when you, I was and raised. You and you don't need a ribbon for everything. Absolutely not. Right. And I remember, uh, you know, my dad, especially as a journalist, you know, when I would say I had an opinion on something, he said, why? Back it up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he didn't care what I said, but he wanted to know why I said it. Yeah. And he would call me out if I was... If I well, was, it, you know, and the, there's some of this that's out of the bottle, and some of this, uh, some some things we can't put back in the bottle, and some things perhaps that we can't. Mm-hmm. And I was just at a sectional by a, a professor named Tim Schumacher from Concordia, Irvine. He was the the the... the Ready access to the information of the world on the internet does fundamentally t- change teaching because historically the gateway to knowledge was through the teacher and the textbook. Mm-hmm. And now they have this in front. Of, so the, te- the teacher is less now the gatekeeper uh, or then, then he, then he or she is the, he referred to the metaphor as an outfitter. You know, he is a the the teacher is 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 in many respects now, and I don't know that this genie can go back in the bottle. The teacher is more of a guide, even of a third or fourth grader, because they have access to all this all this inter, in, information. So the the teacher now really has to come alongside and guide rather than just stand up front and lecture. And we're finding you know the folks that just stand up and lecture it just doesn't work anymore because the and it won't. Well, Lance, uh, this is fascinating, but unfortunately, we're drawing to the end of the program. You got any final thoughts for us? I'm thrilled to be in studio with you. I'm thankful for the oppor- thankful for the opportunity and for the, your listeners today who heard us talk. Uh, you heard you heard a pastoral conversation about how to remember loved ones and mm-hmm. honor them, and I think it's something to learn from, and, and maybe a way that you can do you can use in your own life. Well, that's what this program is about. It's the questions the layman has that sometimes sitting on the front porch of the pastor 
give some answers. So I want to thank you, Lance, for joining me here in studio. And yeah. sorry about your parking situation downtown, but you know the cards are red hot. I'm excited for you. Okay. Thank you very much for being here. And hey, audience, let's do it again next Friday. listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.